Wednesday, March 8, the Big Sports Breakfast on Sky Sports Radio. A very good morning to you wherever and however you are listening as Loz just rattles off a few old Raiders from Crookwell. Loz, morning to you, mate. I suppose you're down your neck of the woods to an extent. Yeah. Southern Tablelands, closer to Canberra, isn't it? Yeah, closer to Goulburn. Goulburn, yeah. Goulburn area, but Crookwell, yeah, the Crocus from Crookwell. Uh, Ash Gilbert, another one from Crookwell. I think there was an Alton George player. Um, Georgie Grant uh, would have played in the grand final in the 70s for the Dragons, George. Goal kicking forward. Uh, so, g'day and good morning to everyone down there at Crookwell. Neil Whittaker, the former uh, NRL boss. Boss, yeah. I think he's down at Crookwell as well. Uh, I'll tell you who is a bit Crookwell this morning is Wade Graham. Gone for four weeks, Loz. Yeah, amazing that he was suspended for four weeks. I know it was... He was charged with a reckless, and he had uh, to prove himself innocent of that uh, making contact to the head, but they found it was a reckless tackle. He left the ground. Um, you know, In today's environment, I think that this is what we're going to see more of if you make contact with the head. Um, they said that you know it, it was avoidable, um, and it was avoidable, but you know he was talking about how he's changed his tackle technique. Because he used to tackle low, he used to tackle mm-hmm. around the, the hips, and that brought about a lot of concussions. So he started to tackle a bit higher. Um, but I suppose if you're tackling around the football, you do that run that risk of slipping up and hitting someone in the head. And if um, you know we're cracking down on concussions and player welfare, then I think that this will be the norm. And we've just got to readjust ourselves the way we think about tackles. Um, and the possibility of people spending a bit longer on the sideline than what we used to. Yeah, I mean, you touched on it there, but something Graham said just goes against everything we were taught, what you first taught as a kid and how to tackle. Uh, anyway, we'll touch on that. Morning to you, Pup. Morning, boys. Test Eve as well over at India. Yeah, test match number four. Uh, and by the sounds of it, they're uncertain what pitch they're going to get. Looks like there's a couple that are prepared, which is always the case in India anyway. Yeah. Um, but I would imagine it'll play very similar. It'll spin from ball one. Um, making runs in the first inning is going to be key. Hopefully a good crowd. They're expecting 100,000 at this stadium that apparently seats... Well, it seats 130. Probably probably seats 85,000, but they'll fit 130. Mm. <laughs> did you play at Eden Gardens? I did play at Eden Gardens, yeah. yeah. Yep. That's about 100, isn't it? Yep. Mad, isn't it? Yeah, loud, yeah. crazy, hot Cal- as well, Calcutta. Stinking hot. Uh, like a new stadium because the seats yeah, were new. completely different to new, what yeah. they had in those older yeah. stadiums. It's a bu- it's a beautiful area. It's 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 right on um, that cusp of of Nepal and slash India, um, but it's it, the view there is just unbelievable. So yeah, but it is a new stadium. Um, yeah, let's see how we go. I'd love to level the series. That'd be a great turnaround after the first two yeah. test matches. When when are you are you allowed to look at the pitch? As a touring team, before a day test you arrive, really, any time right. you get there, yeah, you probably are they, get to. Are they it. saying they're sort of hiding the? They've got two pitches. Oh, they haven't made a decision. They haven't made a decision on which the boys, uh, Aussie boys, are about to look at both. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you Is go to usual? some grounds. Uh, yeah, there's two pitches. Yeah. yeah, normally you'd know by now which one you're going to use. Yeah. Um, but in places like India, you generally there's normally you know you turn up and they look the same. 
Yeah. <laughs> Whether it's prepared or not prepared, it looks exactly the same. Right. So but, but in they, Australia, but you don't have to tell the opposition too. But what, twenty four hours out or two, oh, two days out? I don't What's, know. I don't, I don't know. Like what here in Australia, is. you know which pitch it I is. I reckon the boy. Yeah, a lot of the pitches here in Australia are as well. Uh, um, uh, what's it called? Drop in wickets as well. So yep. you only really there's only one to choose from. Uh, even though you got on the strip, you might yeah. have four or five that you can see. Um, but it's very clear which one you're going to play on. Oh, the, oh, I'd be surprised if the boys don't know which pitch they're playing on. Yeah, I just think there's probably a couple there, and they might be saying like that, that's probably exactly what they're saying. They're all prepared the same. Yeah. So we don't we actually know, know which one you're going to put the stumps in, yeah. but they they know what they're going to get. They know what type of wicket it's going to be. Let me tell you, green seamer. It's not going to be a green seamer. No, mm. <laughs> they're not playing four quicks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it's going to be just a bit more. Well. Less dusty, less dry, and that we could play two quicks again. Maybe as well as Cameron Green, obviously. Yeah, maybe that's an option for us as well. Yeah, I just, it just it, what they might do it mightn't be as dry. Um, in regards to it, it might like they might still water it a day before the mm. test match. You know what I mean? Where it seems like the first three test matches they haven't been watered for a month. So they want it to break up. That's how you get that puff of dust early on. So they might want, still want no grass on it, so there's no pace for the quicks, but they just mightn't want it to break up. So what that means is your first innings, you might see 550 and 400 in, when both teams bat in their first innings. And then second innings, traditional India, that's where you see the game really quicken up. The last two days of a test match, just lightning fast. You just see wickets fall everywhere because it spins so much. Um it's interesting, but the yeah. first three test matches, though, the team that's batted first has lost, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, or won the toss. Yeah, I should say. 0 for 3, the yeah. toss winner. Yeah. That is rare. Which is Especially rare in over India. there in India. I'd still want to bat first in India, let oh, me tell you. Yeah. No matter what statistic you show me, batting first is the way to go over there. Mm. But in this series, not so true. Was not so true. So Willow from Windsor on the text line. Let's see if the judiciary stay consistent during the season. Four weeks is a big penalty for Wade Graham. And Graham said after the suspension last night and the hearing that, uh, well, that's the bar they've set for a reckless tackle and that he'll have to work on a few things at training. Uh, In the hearing, Graham said that he's had a series of concussions, so he doesn't aim low anymore, that he tries to make contact around the ball and says in regards to that tackle, it was too late to change anything. Uh, so, you know, doesn't try and, you know, tackle low, basically, mm. way great. I can't believe he's got four weeks. We, we I, get, I don't think that's right. But, again, I mean, we've we've said this a lot. I mean, there's no reward for, for legs tackles, low tackles in no, the game anymore. No, None. There's, Zero. There's, there's, well, as soon as you tackle low, you've got a release, basically. Mm. If there's no one over the top and you tackle low, they will tell you you have to release. So if you're playing the ball you get all the momentum. And that's the, one of the reasons why they went to coaches, started to get players to tackle up high and hold the attacking player up and dance around with him for a bit. Stop his momentum, but you can allow him to just still move around and then the third man come in at the, come in at the legs that way. Um, the other thing about tackling low in today's game, and this is, I, I, I know we want to go back to tackling low, but you still will put players in dangerous positions more so than we ever have before. And the reason is, years ago, forwards, for instance, front rowers, they would just carry the ball and they would be just up and down. Mm. They would just carry. 
today's players, most of them, including a lot of the back rowers, they've got late footwork. Mm. And they're big and they change direction. So you're taught to get as close as you can to the target, dip, drop your head, but still have your eyes on the target. But these days, because of the agility of the players, they can turn really, uh, change direction really quickly. So therefore you plant to make a tackle, assuming someone's just coming on that line. But all of a sudden they change and you just cop their hip. Yeah. Your head's in a terrible position. Your head's position in a bad position. And, and there's nothing you can do. Well, your head on hip. Mm. I, I know who's winning that battle. Um, so, but again, it's something that the game is looking at and they want to protect the players because they're well aware of player welfare. And I take my hat off to them. Um, but again, it's still, we're learning on the run and we're still, um, you know, wanting to know what the right and wrong way is to go about things. Uh, for the Dragons, there was a bit of a boost yesterday. Talatau Moan cleared to play by the NRL. He's been named on their extended bench for their first game of the season after having the bye last week against the Titans on Sunday night. Uh, the 20-year-old had been stood down, but his case uh, has been moved from the district to the local court. Therefore, in the local court, you're looking at Worst-case scenario, a sentence of up to two years doesn't fit the threshold for the no-fault stand-down policy. So that, that still ought to be fought by uh, a moan on the side, of course, but uh, at least for the purposes of his footy career at the moment, he's available to play lots. Well, that's good news for the Dragons, and they need good news coming into the season, given the way they played in the charity shield. Uh, well, the rules are black and white. They're there. Um, he's not facing up to 14 years. Uh, so the NRL have allowed him to play, and that's the correct decision as far as I'm concerned. International Women's Day today, so a big spread there in the Telegraph. Front page, top 100 power players, and uh, number one, in fact, uh, the Herald as well. Uh, they have on the back page the most influential women in Australia, woman in Australian sport is the headline there. Number one, Sam, and it's the same with uh, the Telegraph. They've got a, a list as well. Sam Kerr listed as the most influential woman in Australian sport, but I, I, great that the Telegraph's got Gay Waterhouse as number two because I still say, Loz, that uh, for the most uninitiated racing person, you put Gay Water, you put a picture of Gay Waterhouse mm. there, everyone knows who Gay Waterhouse is and I, I still reckon she's the only person in the racing industry that everyone in Australia, like even people that are against racing... Yeah know who Gay Waterhouse is. I, I think you're right. I, I think her profile is massive. In particular here in Australia, uh, a lot of people know Gay Waterhouse and she broke down some major barriers. And she started as a horse trainer. And you've got to remember, her father, TJ, was a legend, legend of the industry. And it was always going to be difficult for a, uh, a young lady to, to make a way because there would have been a lot of people at that time thinking, oh, how's she going to do it? Yeah, how successful is she going to be? And she's followed in her foot, father's footsteps so well, she's been able to forge her own career and step out of the, the limelight of her father um, and become one of the, the great trainers. And, you know, what she's done has been remarkable. She's really led the way for women's sport. Um, she's shown that anything is possible. And if you're good at your trade and you're prepared to work hard, then you can have success. Um, so I think she is. She, she, I think she'd be the most recognised mm. Uh, lady in sport in Australia, Sam, Sam Kerr's probably got the profile at the moment. At the moment, certainly. but and, and overseas, 
But I think here in Australia, gay, gay would definitely be there. There'd be a lot of people that know gay mm. first and foremost. And uh, all of a sudden, Clarky, something we wouldn't have seen 15 years ago, a lot of cricketers in this list as well. Ash Gardner, uh, Meg Lenning. Who's the highest ranked women's cricketer? In uh, the Telegraph's would list. Elise... No, Meg Lenning would be the highest ranked. Now she's back playing captain. Then you'd have Elise Perry and Elise Alyssa Perry, Healy. Yeah. Well, they've got, Gar- top three. Oh, they've got Gardner at 11, uh, Lenning at 17 in the telly. Yeah. Yeah. In regards to Australian cricket rankings. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I'm not talking about rankings. I'm just talking about like the profile. Oh, yeah. I-, I would have thought Elise Perry. Because she's been doing like a lot of commercials and sort of the for a, face for of Australian time. cricket yeah, for, for a, a long while. time. Yeah, definitely. In the Herald. Well, it's under the, the they're saying the most influential mm. women in Australian sport. They got Well, the Herald's got Elise Perry at five. Mm. So they see her out of the cricket as still the most influential. Uh, and there's Alyssa Healy at 10 in their list of the top 10. Obviously all subjective, of course, but uh, yeah, I think Elise Perry's had that profile yeah, for, for 10 a years, long time. longer now. Coming from, coming time, from yeah. soccer over to, yep. to choosing cricket over soccer, yeah, for sure. Uh, now, also on the back page of the telly, <laughs> uh, there is Jerome Luai and Jamin Semin at training. Just uh, a bit of a joke. Luai grabbing the throat of Semin, just having a bit of a laugh after all the debate that's raged since uh, their little dispute on the field that was picked up by the cameras last Thursday night. Spray guns is the headline here. It's open season at Penrith in search of perfection. Obviously playing it all down, having a laugh, etc., etc. The team's named yesterday, though. This match tomorrow night is going to be an absolute beauty. Uh, the market with Tab has the Panthers a dollar fifty favourites. The Bunnies two dollars sixty, and Souths have named Latrell Mitchell. Indications are he will play. Uh, Jai Arrow, Tavita, Totola both out though, which is significant outs for the Bunnies in their forward pack for this match against Penrith tomorrow night. Loss. Uh, it is. I, I don't know which way I'm going to go in terms oh, it's of tough, isn't it? Having a tip. Uh, Souths were very impressive. Um, in round one against the Sharks. But the, the Sharks, I thought, were, were, were game. Um, and Parramatta, I thought, were very good. I, I thought were very good against Melbourne, but they just couldn't ice the game in the last 10, 15 minutes. But, uh, you know, they're missing a couple of players. Um, yeah, look, the Rabbitohs um, come into this season with a lot of hype, too, about them, with Latrell Mitchell, um, the way that he's turned up for pre-season training. Uh, they've made the prelim final the last few years. Um, you know, Penrith lost their last two meaningful games at home um, against St Helens in the World Club Challenge, and then again last weekend by a point to the Brisbane Broncos. Uh, yeah, it's, it'll be a hard game to choose. And then on Friday night, the Eels and Sharks—that's another game. You're sort of looking at going, "Geez, which way am I going to am I going to go?" But look, Penrith—I think, oh, well, I think will win looking at both teams at the moment. But if Latrell Mitchell turns up, he's fit. Um, he's capable of producing anything. Um, but, yeah, Penrith, I'll be finding it hard to tip against them. Being back at home, coming off two losses, um, they wouldn't want to start the season two losses in a row. So I, I think I'll probably lean towards the Panthers. But, yeah, the Rabbitohs will be hard to beat this year. Could both last year's grand finalists find themselves 0-2? By Friday night. Well, it's a possibility. Mm. Possibility. Yeah, yeah, look at even the Broncos-Cowboys. I'm unsure of which way to go in that game. I think the Broncos were arguably the most impressive team uh, over the weekend. 
um, you know, the Roosters, they're under pressure. Uh, even though they take on the Warriors, I mean, it's not the strongest Roosters side we've seen named, even though they do welcome back Joey Manu. Uh, the Dolphins have got all this uh, momentum behind them after one week. Uh, the Raiders coming off a one-point loss to the Cowboys. Um, like the Storm and the Bulldogs, if you're going on last week's performance, you just say the Storm win at home, but the Bulldogs, I reckon, will aim up this week. Uh, I think they'll be a lot better. Uh, the, the teams that are under, <laughs> under the pump, are probably the last two games on the weekend because you got the Tigers who had a loss in week one. You had the Knights having a loss in week one. One of those teams so will be 0-2. 0-2. Um, and if it's Newcastle in particular, um, the knives will start to get sh- uh, start to sharpen Fatima O'Brien. And then we're unsure of how the Dragons will go against the Titans team who were impressive on Sunday against the Gold Coast Titans. I see Kieran Foran's been named. Surely he won't play. Surely I thought he was not. out for four to six weeks. I read somewhere yesterday. Mm. Yeah, surely doesn't play. They've named Toby Sexton on the yeah, extended bench. But uh, I'd say he more than likely will replace Kieran Foran. Mm. I know that Jaden Preston came on on Sunday, but I suppose they'll keep him as the bench player and just swap Foran for Sexton, which is a like for like. Mm. Uh, also, back page of the telly, you're off your head. Doctors slam Gus. And uh, there it is on the back page of the Australian... As well, CTE expert to Gould, concussion hysteria, come and meet my patients. So Phil Gould on 100% footy the other night uh, certainly uh, gave his views very strongly on uh, particularly players just being dragged off when uh, he feels they're not concussed or that it's essentially overkill, saying it's the greatest abomination perpetrated on our game in history and calling it concussion hysteria. And naturally, uh, the Telegraph here... Uh, going and finding some uh, some doctors who say, well, particularly one in particular, Dr. Rowena Mobs, uh, who's an expert in this area, will come and meet some of my patients. So it's a sensitive issue in the game and it'll continue to be. And I think we saw last night just with the Wade Graham suspension, you know, whether Moali was concussed or not, they just are going to rub those tackles out of the game that potentially give any risk to a player that, you know, there could be a concussion. But, Loz, at the end of the day, when you walk onto a rugby league field, there is risk. Oh, there's always risk in any sport you play. You know, you talk about cricket. You can talk about rugby union. You talk about netball. You talk about any sport that anyone plays. There's always a risk that you'll suffer a head injury uh, or a concussion. Uh, rugby league is a competitive, competitive sport. Uh, it's a brutal sport at times. And you're trying to look after the player the, as best you possibly can. But, yeah, you're right. When you walk out there, you know that that can happen. Uh, you want to make sure that uh, clubs are now more well aware of how to handle these issues and I think we're starting to see clubs do that. Uh, clubs um, you know, don't rush players back these days, whereas in the past they used to. Um, in terms of the independent doctor, I think we said on Monday that you know, you'd know sort of like to see the independent doctor there at the ground um, to assess the patient. You've got the doctor there assessing them, um, the club doctor. Um, but make a judgment call when they're there. But the NRL are going to stick to this process. The only thing I would say is, and I, and I said it uh, on Monday, is that I saw knocks on the weekend where I thought, well, the standard was set on Friday night um, and Thursday night, and in particular when Caelan Ponga left the field. I, I just saw players receiving what I thought was a head knock being allowed to stay out there on the field and play. 
I, I thought if we're going down this path, then anything that resembles closely to a head knock, then they should have to leave the field. Uh, here's one for you. What if we cut the 10-metre rule back to 5 metres so is, there is less impact on the collision? Well, I doubt we're going to see that, are we? Then no, it wouldn't be an open game. On that. No. I, th- I, th- I think the way the 10-metre rule has helped open up the game and made it more exciting, I, I think it'll stay like that.